0: Hi, I'm your host, Deanna Butcher, and welcome to the podcast, where we're talking to real people in real time, with real stories that will awaken, illuminate, and transform our lives together. This is The D-Word. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am excited to be here. I'm excited to have you listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in each and every podcast. I love and appreciate each and every one of you. And I'm very grateful for this experience and for you to be here. So I wanted today to talk about burning out, what that feels like, how you can Overcome these things and you really utilizing that through my own example and things that I've been through. And, and first as a disclaimer, I am not a certified therapist, but I can share with you my experiences. And I know these things are relatable and I know that There's more people out there that are struggling with these things. And if we can come together as a collective, just to talk about it, bring some awareness. And certainly if you're listening today and you are a certified therapist or healer uh, as well in this field feel free to add to this experience by talking to us in the community and sharing some of those clinical therapies and things that you have to offer with the group uh, and you can do that by visiting us on facebook at the d word community and you'll also get more information and be able to join the community on our website through the d word productions.ca and through there as well guys you'll be able to join our members program exclusive members only group so you'll be able to pick your tier of what you feel is going to bring you most clarity in your life and giving you the tools you need to succeed so you can find out where you're at in your journey and uh, and let us help you succeed and exceed your own goals and expectations and we do that through our group work so it's a beautiful community we have going on over there at the d word so head on over to there uh, and check it all out and certainly if you have any questions hit us up i'd love to hear from you So we are talking, as I said, about burnout and the stress and anxiety, panic attacks, things that come along with that. And if you are someone who's having a difficult time prioritizing, if you're having a difficult time with just functioning day to day and saying, well, why do I feel like I can't get anything done? How do I rebound from this? I'm burning out. Where do I get my energy from? How how can I make this work? Um, Those are some of the things that I'm gonna be talking about today and kind of sharing with you how I handled it, (laughs) how I used to handle it versus how I handle it now. As time goes on here and certainly, you know, with our economies the way they are, we're having to pull out some extra stops. We're having to work a little harder than we were before And it catches up with you. You know, you have kids on top of that. Some of you are also going to have businesses. This is my second business here. And we talked a lot about this. And and so if you haven't seen uh, or listened to rather the last podcast we had done there about balancing obligations, that's really going to help tie into and kind of be that preemptive talk that we had, but brought us to now what it means to burn out and when it feels like when we can't balance our obligations. So certainly tune into that podcast. If you haven't seen it already, go back, download that as well and take a listen. And then certainly, as I mentioned before, go check out the community and see what we're talking about there in regards to that podcast, what it really feels like for me now and how I can balance my obligations and how I got through it and the things I had utilized to really make my life better in those things. And, and and even though like hubby was incredibly supportive, he has his own struggles as well. He was burning out too, right? So it's kind of, for me at least, I found, is, is a self-journey you really have to navigate on your own for yourself. You'll have the love and support of your children and your spouse, of course. But when you're going through this, I think it, it's certainly about the mindset and how we can overcome our own personal burnouts. And you know, I noticed within myself, can go 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 until I drop. <laughs> when I'm close to dropping, it's like everything, all shit hits the fan at that point. My husband's easier to manage his own stress and obligations. Um You know, he works outside of the home and then when he comes home, he he helps out here as well. Right. We work as a pretty solid family unit. So we have now we have a pretty good division of responsibilities and things like that. And as I mentioned in our last podcast there, like part of it was that we had taken on too much and we've had to deal with a lot on our own, just because we're just, we're far away from family, right? So, I mean, we came here and we were up north and up northern Alberta. We were further away from family and a lot of our friends, they're all in the same situation. So, you know, they are all working hard and they've got kids of their own. So, although we have the emotional support from many people and certainly that feeling justified in how hard we're working and so they send their love and their sympathies, (laughs) but... It's hard because you know, everybody, as I say, has their own goals and their own aspirations and their own things to take care of. So we don't really find ourselves in a position to really be able to ask for help when we need it. So we had to figure out as a couple, like, what was going to be important? How are we going to navigate it? And what we, the things that we were letting go of, like, it, it was hard to let go of some of those things and responsibilities initially, but it has certainly made our life better. So, really, When I began feeling and when I knew I was burning out, a lot of the things, like, I guess you could call them maybe symptoms of things that I was experiencing. Like, I, I became very obsessive compulsive. I, not so much to the point where I was counting things or touching the light switches or things like that. Like, it wasn't like that, but... I felt so out of control of everything in my life at the time. And this is going back even to my mid-20s because I'm about in my mid-30s now. So the last decade, this is something that as an adult, I've really have become more aware of. And I think we often do anyway when we have these more responsibilities. You know, we have kids, we have a house, we've got careers. So these things add up. So I think you're experiencing these things in your 20s and maybe some of you even earlier than that. I began really having these tendencies, I noticed, even before we had kids, because I had a lot of emotional trauma and things like that going on in my life, and, and certainly we're going to be talking about this in another podcast as well, but at the time, take going back 10 years, I'd had four miscarriages, and so there was a lot of physical things going on at the time. I was off work, off and on, because of the physical trauma my body was going through and still trying to... To heal even emotionally took some time. So, you know, at that time of my life, there was a lot of stresses going on, and even with family issues and things like that, outside of my hubby and I, there was just a lot of anxiety and stress in our midst. And we were kind of in the middle of it because the time we didn't set boundaries, we didn't even have boundaries with each other. So, like, (laughs) you know, it was just a very stressful time. So, I started really feeling like my life was out of control and I didn't know how to rein it in and bring it in and fix my shit, right? And at that time is when I developed a lot of obsessive compulsive behaviors, like things had to be perfect. I had to look as perfect as I could And it wasn't so, like, because I struggled with my weight even then, but I mean, I was certainly, you know, 40 pounds lighter than I am now. (laughs) But, you know, I I struggled with that in my early 20s, just as far as appearance and how my home was. I had to make sure everything was perfectly in alignment. All my towels always had to be color-coordinated, folded a certain way, put away a certain way. My clothes were always hung up in color coordination, and even by like outfit and by size. And so like I was very regimented in those things and it was very overwhelming to keep up with. Like I I felt, and I didn't know this is why I was doing this at the time. It wasn't until I'd done a lot of healing and a lot of exploration into why I was feeling the way that I was that I realized that this obsessive compulsiveness of having to have perfectly spotless floors and windows and my baseboards were washed every week and the cup handles, the mugs, my cupboard had to have the handles all the same certain way. Everything had to match. And it wasn't that I was spending money doing these things either. Like I wasn't like that way, but what I did have had to be perfect. And if it was out of alignment in any way, I took that as a personal responsibility to fix it. And I have to keep it perfect. And so even then, it's kind of where I think we socially drank anyway. And, you know, and certainly being in northern Alberta and oil field and everybody's drinking. Right. And it was more of a social thing here. And then also, what else do you do? (laughs) So, I mean, we we had a lot of friends and we, we were very social. And that was even part of it, too, where I needed at the time to really be surrounded by people. I felt very lonely, I felt a little broken, I just needed people in my life that I could maybe take care of. You know, we had a lot of our friends, they were younger than us, and you know, a lot of them even were single guys. Jason's an automotive technician, so you know, as a mechanic, we had a lot of mechanic friends, and he had some apprentices, and so we kind of took them under our wings a little bit, and so that really made me... Not, I guess, I mean, if you were to look at it back, honestly, I think maybe part of it was so that I could have a responsibility, so that I could take care of someone, so that I could feel maybe validated in some way for maybe not having kids yet, that I was still a pivotal part of someone's life to make it better. And and so I kind of took that on as well. And we were there for a lot of people. And it felt great, and I still have, you know, it wasn't that that was overwhelming at all, because it very much added to my life, but we were always surrounded by people and friends, and we were drinking a lot, and then I kind of got to the point where I think, and certainly before we had kids, where the drinking for me became more constant and too much, because I wasn't healing, and I wasn't dealing with how I felt, because I didn't know how I should feel. And... And that's even part of in future for uh, future podcasts here that we are certainly going to be talking about the miscarriages. So, you know, certainly stay tuned for that. That'll be within the next few episodes, actually. I've got a beautiful woman. Her name is Blaze Hunter, so you can check her out now. And she'll be through the group pages here as well. But we're going to be talking to her about this experience and how this has kind of affected who we were at such a young age, you know, in our, in our early 20s, you know. And so for myself... In relating that to why I had OCD and the perfectionism and no sleep and overperformance. Like I, I had to overperform in everything that I did because I felt like my life was just not where I thought it should be. We moved away from family, we moved up north to make something of ourselves. And I got out of a very negative and weird situation back home with my own family and we were not really set up to win there so we left home you know what we knew my husband and i moved here and it would have been about 14 years ago no yeah i guess 14 maybe 15 years ago now so i mean we were young and we literally had nothing (laughs) and we, we moved here with just a couple hundred dollars and we didn't even have enough for first month's rent and you know so we didn't have anything And so when I came here, I knew I was supposed to work hard. That was what I've always done. That's all I really knew. And I could avoid my obligations and avoid, not my obligations. I could avoid the things in my life that I was struggling with. I think that's a better way to put it. I could avoid those things and avoid the healing. And certainly of course, you know, as the years progressed and we'd had four miscarriages, I, I hadn't dealt with any of that, and again, as I say, the 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 other things going on in my life. So, you know, trying to balance careers. I had three jobs at the time, and I was burning out. You know, we needed money so that we could finish Jason's um, apprenticeship, and so he could get his journeyman. And after he got his journeyman, then I slowed down to two jobs. So I worked as a receptionist in the uh, for Alberta Health for three and a half years and I did that so I'd get up at you know whatever time but I'd be at work for seven thirty ish and I would stop work at four and then I would go and work at Tim Hortons because I was about 22 maybe at the time I would go to work at Tim Hortons from four in the evening until around midnight and then on and I did that five days a week four days a week because the health unit was only Tuesday through Friday and it was a casual position and then I worked at Tim Hortons full time. So I worked there six days a week. And then on the alternate Saturday on Saturdays and Sundays, so all day Sunday, I'd be working at Walmart. <laughs> so I it was a cashier there. And I would work on Saturdays. I'd start at six, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning on Saturday at Tim's, go to about three thirty, four o'clock, and then from four till midnight at Walmart. So I was doing I had two full time jobs and a part-time job. And I did that for 2 years. And so I hadn't had a day off in 2 years. <laughs> Literally hadn't had a day off. And it was classified as time off when I only had to work at Walmart on Sunday. So that was the extent of our life. You know, we came here to work hard and and we did that. And so right away I had a state of overperforming. You know, I was always doing something. So the moment that I cut down to two jobs and only had a part-time and a full-time Because I still wanted to make sure that if life happened, because we were trying to have a baby by this point, by the time I cut down to the full time to full time at the health unit and then just to part time, I then had miscarriages. I had my first two when I worked there. And by the third time, I was just I was down to one full time job because I'd quit at the health unit after three and a half years there. And then I went and became an insurance broker. <laughs> so I did that for three years. <laughs> it was kind of like a repeated, yeah, like three years, I think it was. And during that time, I'd had two miscarriages there. And when I worked there, I only had the one job because it was a good job and great paying job. And, and I loved it and was really good at it. And even there, I overperformed. Like when I came in to that that overperformance, in the OCD was already in play because I come from doing front desk reception and saying I need something better in my life and I saw the ad for the brokerage and I'm like I'm gonna try you know so I got an interview and solely on my merit (laughs) and my personality I got the job I was not educated for it I was not qualified for it And within a short period of time, I was able to become educated for it. And because of my performance problems and my anxiety around that, um, it actually propelled my career quite quickly, but I was not happy and I thought I would be, you know, I'd reach these, these pivotal things where, you know, you get a big raise in the first three months you're there, you're beating out sales and then you're the, you know, you're in the top 10 sales of Canada and These were big milestones that I had reached within the first six months of working there. And I still wasn't happy. And I wasn't competing with other people. Like, I've never really been that way. But I've been competitive with myself. And for me, nothing was good enough. And I kept creating this circle for myself. It's like, well, okay, well, if I made you know, 50,000 this year. I had to make 60 next year. I had to make more than that after that, or my bonuses needed to be bigger. And, and it wasn't because I had an attachment to money. It was because that was a vision of, of the quality of life I was living, but then the measurement I had for myself as to who I was. And that was a big thing too, that, you know, when, when my brother and I had seen that growing up, you know, my dad threw himself into his work and, And, you know, it was always you have to work hard, which is important, but it was always what you did for a living was who you were. And, you know, so there's a great respect for that still, but it wasn't healthy in in the vision of how things were created and the vision we had as an example. It wasn't healthy. And I know I'll be talking about that experience too because my dad, through this people-pleasing which is also part of this whole OCD problem and the overperformance problem that I have, and my brother has the same thing, is, you know, because my dad had been working for this one particular place, and he is a mechanic as well, and he got into an accident. And so I know I'll be talking about his accident because those are things that I still carry um, now because it happened at such a pivotal point in my brother and my life and about strength and family. And so I'll be sharing that story later on. But even through that, we learned that we had to be the best we could in that situation and really be the face of the company, you know, like put that forward because anything less than 150% effort was lazy. And so I had to be the best version of me every day I went in there. So it was kind of like every day I was doubling down on the person I was before. And I learned quickly. And I think ultimately it's a good thing to have, but I got out of control with that because it was, again, it wasn't about the money, but I never felt good enough. I never validated myself. And of course, by this point, when I worked at the brokerage, I had my my third and my fourth miscarriage during that time and then became pregnant then with my oldest son. And that pregnancy was incredibly scary. It was terrifying. He, we had a lot of complications. And so it, it all around was just kind of um, just a big clusterfuck. I was <laughs> kind of I guess how I can explain it. And I felt so out of control. I didn't know how to function. I almost, I, I didn't really even know how to be me because it was almost also something I struggled with because I'm trying to figure out who I am. And with my own goals and competitiveness, I was like, I need to figure out my shit before my birthday. Like it was always before my birthday, I need to figure out who I am. And I would always set like these ridiculous deadlines on myself, you know, and, and it's in part me being a Virgo. <laughs> and then me also just through life experiences, right? And so I was very regimented mentally and emotionally. I didn't share my emotions very much because I learned with my first two miscarriages and my previous employment not to show my emotions at all. And so I shut down between that and family, I shut down. So I was became emotionless and I didn't respond well to people. I didn't open up to people. I had a hard time making friends, even though I wanted them. You know, and doing well career-wise put me in certain spotlights in some ways, you know, like you'd be congratulated for things that you'd achieved and I never felt worthy of that. I still hadn't felt worthy, even though I knew I'd worked for it. I still hadn't felt worthy. So I mean, you, you come into this place and, and you have this own personal mentality and it's not received well by other people <laughs> so if you have these similar situations you know what I'm talking about because it's like you have your own personal goals you're very regimented you're very driven you know you want to do well for the company you want to do well for yourself but then it really sets you aside from employees and that was one other one of the biggest things that I had to learn was like look I had to either be very verbal, about my own personal goals and what I wanted to reach for myself. And it was like I had to explain myself all the time. I felt like I was always in a position of having to say, look, it's not that I want to be better than anybody else. I just want to be better than myself. And I always had to feel like I was compensating for that or then got to the point where then I wasn't trying as hard because... It wasn't well received, you know, in a competitive environment and working with other women and in multiple jobs, it wasn't just the brokerage either. This was in other jobs that I'd held, you know, women were very competitive and actually I was lucky in my own office at the brokerage because it was, it was great. We were all friends. So it was, it was great there, but it did not fold well in other areas for me. So being very competitive and other women would be very catty or they would be jealous or they would be mad because it meant that they felt they had to work harder than they needed to. Or certainly as I went out to the oil field, it was like, well, I could perform very easily because i had been so used to being under such stress and anxiety. So when I went to the oil field and we had our first son, life was very different for us. I was able to begin some healing and I felt a lot better about myself. I was in good physical condition and was certainly happy that now we had a son. So, you know, a lot of that was alleviated. And then I understood it's like, why the fuck am I working so hard? I can work hard and do this for me. But when you're just treated like a number and people don't really give a shit about you, why am I doing this for someone else? And this is kind of even me leading up to the courage of starting my own business back then because I was like, fuck this. I'm not gonna put this much effort in overperformance just so that they can make money. Like, I wanted this for myself. And so I'm working, you know, working hard and then in that environment was incredibly catty because they were used to being so laid back and not everyone, okay? Because a lot of those people, those folks worked hard too. But there's a few people, in the team that I had worked with, and immediately catty, and immediately conflicting, and purposefully doing things to prevent you from getting ahead, and would take your stuff off the printer and shred it before you could go pick it up so you didn't even know what you were missing, and because so I was working in the accounting department. So you'd print off all your invoices, you'd print off everything and, and everything you were supposed to do for data entry, and you wouldn't even realize that part of it's gone, So, you know, then your work's not balancing. You don't know why. Like, So it was being sabotaged all the time because women couldn't handle someone coming in and doing well. And it was very catty. That was probably one of the hardest places I had to work because of the energy that was there. And, you know, you get along with some really great people. I had enough people that made the job worth it, good three or four three or four girls there that were great. They're all going through the same shit too. It's like everyone's rolling their eyes, closing their doors because <laughs> we're all being, having this experience. You know, but it, it made it hard just to have those couple bad apples a part of it, right? So you're dealing with that stress and anxiety in the workplace. You're trying to perform. There's OCD in that workplace. And then so you have your personal problems and then your work problems. And I had this big fear of dropping the ball and that I was going to, if my work wasn't gonna crumble, my home life was, something had to give, and I wasn't sleeping, and it got to the point where I was getting anywhere from 45 minutes to about two hours of sleep every night, and I was functioning on that, and it got scary. And by the time we had our second son, that's when I became very burned out. Our sons are about three years apart, and so by this point, Logan, my youngest, bless his heart, <laughs> was a very different boy than my first one. Lucas was you know was sleeping through the night from seven weeks on and he was good. And even though I wasn't sleeping, he was still sleeping. So we'd get up for work at 4:30 every morning and we'd get up and go and have our routine and he was good. He was easy to get into a routine. he was easy to get going, he was always happy. And our youngest son, he was up every 30, 40 minutes in the night. So it was a lot of work with him. So between then, really true burnout, no sleep with that, and then having two kids, it was a lot. <laughs> By the time I had Logan, I had already, I had been on maternity leave and I knew I wasn't gonna be going back just because of the cost of daycare and things like that. You know, I knew I wanted to raise my kids and then I, was, I had the intent of starting a business. And so I knew that by the time my mat leave was up, I was going to have a clear decision of what I was going to do and, and how I was going to now work hard for myself. And it was something that was supported by my husband as well. You know, he was doing really well. He had a great oil filled job too. And we'd worked hard to achieve this point in our lives. And he knew I'd already put my time in, if you will, (laughs) for the family and that was kind of my time, right? I we tried so hard to have kids and now I could have two. And I really wanted to have those moments with them because my first son, we had him in daycare when he was a year old, so I could go back to work. And, and it was great, and it was great for him. But I, I know I missed out on a lot. And because we'd tried so hard to have two, and I hadn't I'd been in the process of healing. I didn't want to miss anything with our second son. And I knew that that was all we were going to have at this point. And I really wanted to, if we could, I wanted to stay home because I, I really needed that. And, and so I'm grateful for that opportunity and to have my kids at home. And so I opened up a day home, brought in five kids, well, four kids, cause then I had one of my own. I had Logan in the daycare. And so Th- those kids too. You I mean, it was, it was great because I could raise them and, and be a part of their lives and potty train them. And they, they all came to me anywhere from six months old to a year. And then they left me when they were two to three. So then I had done that for about three years, two and a half, three years. And then it became too much and I was really burning out. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a constant thing where I was kept, I'd have the energy to start something, and then I would I would hit the wall. And I was getting really sick at this point as well. And at that point, Hubby lost his job. He was laid off from his oil field position. And although he found work right away within, like within the next day, literally, it, the money wasn't the same. So we took a drastic pay cut, an obscene pay cut. <laughs> and so we had to make that work. So it was just another level of stress. And so again, this overperformance and fear that I was going to drop the ball. You know, bills are piling up and I didn't know how to handle it. So I was having a lot of panic attacks. And I mean, eight to 10 a day, I kept feeling like I was dying. Like I just, now when I have one panic attack, once in a while, my whole body hurts for, you know, a few hours for sure. But then I'm played out, my body is drained for for the next day, about the next 24 hours. I feel very drained, emotional, tired. And I was having these multiple times a day and I wasn't sleeping and I got to the point where I I was really experiencing sleep deprivation. Um, I wasn't functioning, I was losing my memory. My anemia had gotten much worse. And by this point, you know, because and I couldn't afford the medication that I needed for my anemia, I wasn't taking the full dosages that I should have. So I got to the point where it was beyond burnout and I had, I had almost died. And at that point, didn't have, I had a third of the blood volume you're supposed to have. And I wasn't producing enough red blood cells on my own. And there were so many then chemical mineral and you know imbalances in my blood and besides just the iron you know my potassium b12 or you know everything was just off so my body was not healthy and just as i start to kind of get that back on track you know then we i had a cancer scare and that was really generated from stress i had a lot of problems with reproductive since i was about 14 anyway with cysts and fibroids and things like that. So then now I had this anemia on top of it. And at the point where I had gotten very sick, I had kidney problems. Um, my liver wasn't functioning optimally, but my kidneys were having a difficult time. My stomach wasn't digesting food like it should, you know, so it throws off your insulin levels and things like that. So it, I was weak all the time and and exhausted, and then any food that I did eat, because I wasn't eating very much, because it would upset my stomach, and I couldn't digest. My food wasn't digesting, because the calories in my body that were needed were for brain function and digestion. So I didn't, I wasn't even, I was on bed rest for two years to recuperate from that, and so now I feel much better now. That's two years in, and I feel... I feel 100% now and I'm, I have a good bill of health now and I'm doing really well. So, you know, I, I had to work towards getting myself out of this situation. And a lot of this I realized was things that I hadn't dealt with emotionally because you could give me any problem to solve and I could solve the problems, but I wasn't solving my own emotional problems. This, the fear that I had. I was sensitive, very emotional now, like in the home place, because now I wasn't around people. I was just around my kids. So I was exhausted, very depressed. Um, I had little to no self-worth. I wasn't strong. I wasn't the person that I am now. And I had a hard time prioritizing. I wasn't organized. Things were falling between my fingertips, and I couldn't balance things. You know, so my hundred percent effort went into my kids, and we had, you know, we still we had a lot of fun, and I still did stuff with the kids, but I wasn't. By the time hubby got home, it was like I tapped out. I couldn't physically do anymore, and so, you know, it was a major pivotal part in their lives as well because of my burnout, and I would be impatient, and I had a hard time disciplining the kids when they needed it, and. You know, so even now still that they're older, I mean, they're good kids. But with our oldest, it's hard to rein that in with him because the pivotal parts of his life, because he's nine now. So he was going through a lot of the thick of this, seeing me sick and having then those emotional triggers for himself now. So we're trying to help him uncover these emotional blockages and the things that he's going through because I know that they exist there, right? We had a very hard life for a while, you know, and during his pivotal growth times, right from the time he was three till he was about six and a half, we had a lot of difficulties in our life. And our youngest son never really experienced that. You know, he doesn't remember me being sick. He doesn't remember me falling or passing out or seeing me laying on the floor. Like he doesn't remember that. So it was a very different experience for him and you can tell that. So when I share my story and when I share these things, one, I want you to know that you're not alone. I mean, that that's a big part of it, but that it's more than the physicality of all of this. This is more than just you not Being able to handle a job or a responsibility. It goes deeper than that. And for me, it was a lot of triggers that I had experienced from my childhood. And things that I was going through in my life. And this whole overwhelm and burnout. I just kept working, 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 and working, and working until... I would hit the wall and I would throw up. I'd be sick. I was always sick because I didn't have the immune system either. Like stress does so much to your body. And when, if you're going through this yourself and you're stressed and you've probably been through many worse things than what I'm talking about, right? Like, so I want to be open and transparent with my experiences and how I felt and And that was really hard for me initially, and I think that's why I really wanted to do the podcast and and really roll out this project, because I couldn't admit to myself that I failed. I couldn't admit to myself that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't doing well, that I was sick, and I was sick because of the things I had done, and I wasn't taking care of myself, and I wasn't putting myself first, and I wasn't allowing others to put me first either. Right, I didn't let my husband take care of me. I had to take care of myself. And so those are all triggers from my past that he had nothing to do with initially. Right. So when you're growing up and you have these experiences and you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your brother and there's a lot of irresponsibility and, and I don't wanna say neglect, but looking back on a lot of things It was a very difficult situation to be in. And I know we're going to be talking more about those things, (laughs) Um, you know, later on. But I mean, a lot of all of these triggers came from those family secrets and the things that I had been through and the things I was purposefully put through. And, you know, around every turn, around every corner, I was set up to fail and they didn't want me to win. They didn't want me to do well. So part of all of that was me trying to show in some way or to get validation or approval from people who didn't give a shit. Like, so I had to learn about all of that and understand, look, I don't have to show anything. I don't have to prove anything. I can be my own person and let's figure out who she is because this isn't working. And I felt like such a failure and I felt... Like I'd been through all of this for nothing. If I was just to give up on this and try and heal, like why can't I fix this? You know, I can fix her. I can fix this. And I I even refer to my former self as her because I, I had to let her go. I had to grieve her. I had to let her die so that I could be the person that I am now. I had to leave behind my fears and my triggers and I had to heal from those things. And I had to forgive myself for putting me in this position to begin with, but then thanking her for the strength to have gone through those things the way she did. And that was huge for me. And so I know a lot of you out there are going to be finding yourselves in positions where you are recovering from things, from alcoholism, drug abuse, self-neglect, gambling maybe, whatever this is for you that you used to cope with your O C D, no sleep, perfectionism, overperformance, overcoming all of these things and your triggers and your emotional connections to your past and the people that were in it and recovering from panic attacks and exhaustion and depression and depletion of your body's source energy, it's time to put yourself first. And it's time to prioritize. And it's time to understand that this overwhelm, that this burnout, it catches up with you sooner or later. And many of us have been in those positions where you don't stop until you're diagnosed with something or someone in your family has to die first for you to realize that your life is worth something. And I'm telling you today that you don't need an eye-opening moment to tell you you're worth something. Know that right now you're here for a reason because you are supposed to do something. Whatever this is that you are offering the world right now, Whatever you're doing now is good enough. You're good enough. And that the struggles you're going through right now are simply lessons. And if there's things that you can go through right now to say, I'm really struggling. This isn't working. Now it's time to do something about it. Don't spend another day, another month, another year struggling. Struggling. And I wish I had done that years ago. It doesn't take money to figure this out either, guys. This isn't about you having to quit your jobs. This is about you prioritizing yourself. Get organized. Write down where your time is going. Who's taking time from you? What are things that have happened to you in your past that you need to find strength from? And in our next podcast, we're going to be talking about strength. So you're going to be able to take from this experience and just marinate in this. Think about this. And we're going to help you find your strength in the next podcast. For now, I want you to understand that wherever you are in your life right now, you can overcome. Because God, the universe, the creator never gives you more than you can handle this journey that you're on right now the difficulties you're experiencing right now are temporary even if it feels like they've gone on for eternity because I know what that feels like but you don't have to live like that and how we do that is we say one day you hit your knees and you say, what do you want from me, God? What do, you, what do you need from me? Why am I going through all of this? And you just listen. You prioritize things in your life. You say, look, I am not dealing with my in-laws or I'm not dealing, like for me, I'm lucky because my in-laws are amazing. And, you know, and I wouldn't have gotten through this last year. They probably don't even realize what they've done for me in this last year. But there's always going to be people in your life. And for me, it was my family. And now I've got my brother back, which is great. So we all go through these transitions, and these things have to happen. You have to be the one to say, this is not okay, This is not good enough and I'm going to change it and it's going to be hard. It's hard to make big decisions. It's hard to take your life in your own hands. That's why we haven't done it yet. We haven't felt strong enough to do that yet, but you will because you have to. You're at the point of your life too where you don't have a choice. You're listening to this because you resonate and you understand and you say, fuck, D, I can't do it anymore. You're right. And whether this is a simple, well, I'm not sleeping very well and I'm having a hard time managing the kids, to a deepness of maybe you're suicidal. Maybe you've been through counseling and AA and you still haven't been able to find what you need yet. We're all on different paths, we're all from different experiences, we've all had different things happen in our lives, but we are all one. We're all human, we're all here, and we're all here to help, and that's why I have the community. That's why I put out the call out initially. For those of you who are listening to this, and maybe you have experience, or you're certified, or you're a healer that can bring value to the group, join that discussion. Open up to us on that platform, if you're going through this and you feel like your voice isn't being heard, you're going through something and you don't know how to get out of, share it. It's relieving to know that people are going to be there for you and even, you know what, maybe we don't know how to help you but we can be there to give you that little virtual hug and say, I hear you, I see you, and I feel you. Because sometimes that one thing that someone can say can change your life. And that happened for me. And I was told that you're stronger than you know. And that I'm in charge of my life, and I'm in charge, and I do have the strength to get through it. And someone believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And that person was a stranger to me at the time. They didn't know me. They didn't know what I'd been through and what I was going through or that I was even upset that day. They just felt the need to say it. And that changed my life forever. From that point on, I decided that I was strong enough and that it was easier to deal with the difficulties of having to you know, cut my parents out of my life, deal with that. It was harder to open up that emotional box that I'd kept for so long with my miscarriages. I opened that box and I dealt with that pain because it was hard in the moment to deal with the things I needed to deal with, but I was burning out. And I couldn't function. And even the basic things in my life I couldn't do. And for me it was because of my emotional blockages and the things going on in my life. I'd taken on too much. I had great responsibilities. And that was all on me. So how did I have to change that? And it was, I realized it was going to be easier to deal with my shit than it was to carry it with me. I couldn't go another decade carrying this shit with me. It would have killed me. It already, it already tried to. Twice. And those were my eye-opening moments to say, what the fuck am I doing? I need to live a better life. It wasn't even about eating healthy and exercising. It was about getting sleep. Sleeping when I could. Saying no to people when I couldn't do anything extra. I was such a people pleaser. I never said no. You know, saying no, cutting people out of my life that were taking from me instead of giving to me in in an emotional, balancing, loving way. It was about being able to speak up for myself. And even in my marriage, you know, being timid or being someone who just went with the flow. I never expressed what I needed. And I did feel alone. So now the moment that I feel something I say you know look I'm going through something right now I don't know if I can articulate how I feel but I will talk about it when I'm ready you know and sometimes I just need a couple of hours to kind of work through it and then I talk about it right away saying look this is what I'm going through this is who I talked to today and this is kind of the impression that I felt and I talk to my husband about it and if he's my problem (laughs) I don't come at it right away And I said, look, I'm upset right now. I need to deal with these things. I'm overwhelmed. I'm very much burdened and I'm burning out. I'm tired. And I know that if I say something right now or get upset, it's not going to help my situation. It's only going to make things worse. So I need time. And in that meantime, I need help. And that was so hard for me to ask for help. Because I felt like if I had to ask my husband who worked out of the home all day, if I had to ask him to unload the dishwasher, or to, well, until just about a month ago, we didn't have a dishwasher for three years. So I was doing all that myself. But if I felt like I had dishes in the sink or they were sitting on the counter, that I was a bad person, that I was a bad housewife, that I was at home running a business, had my kids and I couldn't do the dishes. Like I took that personally and seeing things pile up around me and become, not dirty, but like cluttered, I guess. More cluttered than I guess it had ever been because I was very particular about things, their placement, the dust, like I was very particular. And part of my healing was like, why the fuck do I care? <laughs> like No one cares, and if they do, they don't need to be, they don't need to be in my house, I don't give a shit. Like my laundry is done, but it it's just it's clean sitting in a pay like sitting upstairs in the basket. So I might have three baskets of clean laundry, but at least it's clean. You know, so I quit immediately when I organized myself and I said, Why do I care about this? Why am I not asking my kids and giving them responsibilities that are age appropriate? Why am I doing all this myself? Like I'm setting them up to fail if I keep doing everything for them and say, no, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, or let me do it because I have my own emotional problems, it's setting them up to fail because they don't know how to take care of themselves. They feel like they're not good enough to to handle it. They feel like they're not smart enough to do the job or, you know, big enough boys to do the job, right? So I needed to delegate and tell, give them responsibilities and you know, and ask my husband for help when I needed it and to voice myself. And that alone was huge. And then I didn't care about the overperforming anymore because when I quit doing those things, my life improved. And then more good things came, like better opportunities for me came that I missed before because I was too stressed to take something new on. I was, I was just treading water at the time. So there was no way that I could possibly take on another responsibility. So I was missing out on opportunities in my life and things that I could have enjoyed even. Things that could have brought me joy. Maybe a vacation or a holiday. We'd never taken time off. We've worked every day of our lives as an adult. And we never took time off. So now... That certainly, you know, we had the experience and and it was actually kind of a beautiful thing and I'm happy it happened despite of how aggressively bad it was for us at the time for my husband to have been laid off because we had made all that money and it to us didn't feel like it was good enough yet. It was like we still had something to prove and that we still hadn't met the goals we said we were going to make which was asinine and you know we were just talking about this the other day because it's like you know when we came here we literally had we had less than a hundred dollars in our account and we couldn't pay for rent and gratefully (laughs) his place paid for our first month's rent when we moved here so you know they helped us get that to that way because of who we were as people and so for us it was like well we have to now we're in gratitude of the of the people that have helped us and have got us and helped us to get to where we are and we don't want to let them down so it was like we had our own goals but we didn't want to let the people that were helping us and that were our friends and that were by our side we didn't want to let them down so we're struggling and they don't even know it our people that were closest to us didn't even know we were struggling and that was painful because we had to live a double life really and so now that we can be open and transparent, man, is it easier? Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. They just want to make sure that you're help ha- that you're happy. You know, you're healthy? Are you happy? Do you need help with you know with anything? Like, I need help. I can help you when it's your time. Like, you know, and, and not to be afraid to ask for help or see it as weakness. And that was huge for us. And we again we'd come here. And didn't ask for help. So we didn't know how to do that. And it was seen as a weakness if we needed it. And so the last probably two years now has been so much better. Like our house, it's easier to keep clean. We downgraded a lot of stuff. We've downsized quite a bit of things and decluttered. Because then as well for myself, I was kind of hoarding stuff because I grew up not really, we had what we needed when we were kids, but like, I never had my own money to spend. I never was able to collect anything. And what I did have was taken. So I can't, I, when I moved on, on my own, I didn't have anything when I moved on on my own. So I'm trying to accumulate things like, well, what am I interested in? What do I want out of life? And I didn't know what that was. So it's kind of accumulating little things. And so we sold a lot of stuff and, you know, had fun doing that and turning these projects into other things and being crafty and resourceful. And, and it's been fun. Like the best part of all of that was like, once you get the ball rolling, because I was very, um, I wasn't a hoarder by no means, but I had an emotional connection to every single thing I had accumulated because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I got before I had the kids and I was really stressed. I remember the moment that I bought this and it made me feel so good at the time. Or this was given to me at the time, you know, and it was an emotional attachment to it. And I'm like, look, it, but it no longer serves me. Or maybe it's like super ugly <laughs> or like maybe it's broken and I still can't get rid of it. like Because I can't release my emotional attachment to those things. And things would remind me of a certain time of my life. And so, you know, I had a hard time letting go of things. But once I started going, it was great. And even we did it again here. And actually, most of you have probably seen it. And if you haven't, my gosh, check it out. The Marie Kondo, uh, she has a Netflix special. um, But on organizing and cleaning off the top of my head, I can't think of the name of the show, but you can you can Google her and you'll find her immediately. Um, but she has the the prospect of you know holding things and feeling their you know their essence. And does it bring you joy? And if it doesn't, thank it for it being in your presence. Thank it for providing for you, and let it go. Give it away. Donate it. Throw it away if it's broken. If it doesn't serve you, thank it and let it go. And look, that's a beautiful process because it was hard just to get rid of things that I felt practically could still be used by someone else. So, you know, um, we went through the house again just maybe six months ago. And it was so great. And we knew we had helped other people by giving to them and donating stuff. And so it felt good to be in a position to help others when we are still kind of struggling ourselves. But, you know, it felt good to be able to do that and to be able to let go of those things. And it wasn't an emotional experience it was simply relieving and you know and even i wanted to integrate like some feng shui into the home and bring good energy in i'm surrounded by plants and and it's funny because you know before i could not keep a plant alive i tried bless my heart i could not keep a plant alive and then i realized it's because of the energy that's in the home the overall harmony of the home is peaceful and kind, and light, and happy, and and it meant so much just to have these plants, and simple plants, but just to have them, and they're happy, and they're thriving, and it's, you have these living things in your home that are thriving, and it just reminds you when you're in this presence, and you're in this space, that that things are thriving here, even if you feel like you're not and you see your kids every day and they're thriving and they're learning something new and taking time to notice those things to notice that people are smiling and to notice that the sun is shining and change your surroundings if you can move the couch around to another area of the home or do little things that can improve the energy in the space and give it a good cleaning and Because it's always, you know, certainly a reflection of of how we feel right on the inside. So if your space is cluttered and dirty and stressful, unorganized, that's typically who you are and how you feel. And so aside from dealing with the things emotionally, how I was able to help with my burnout was to begin managing myself. You know, I wrote down in a calendar, I had a little day timer I started writing things down so I didn't have to remember it. And, you know, we talked about this in the last podcast, so I don't want to be too repetitive, but, you know, I just learned how to manage myself. And I repaired things, I organized things, and I kept checking back in with myself and saying, okay, how am I doing today? Well, today was better than it was yesterday, and if it wasn't, what do I need to change now so I'm not bringing this forward into into tomorrow? And... If it meant that, because now I'm still working from home, but my kids are in school. Hubby, he works outside the home, same job. So if there's a time where I spent work until 12, 1 a.m. because I was just on a roll, not because I'm overwhelmed, not because I'm stressed about a deadline, because I'm on a roll, like I'm I'm into it. I really want to accomplish these things. I'm excited about it. I'm like, I don't want to stop. So I'll keep working. And I shifted my mindset. Instead of being burdened by those obligations, saying, what is it that I really want to do? And just do it. And if by morning, by the time I get the kids off to school and maybe I didn't get enough sleep or maybe I'm not feeling very well or maybe, uh, well, I mean, there's been times where you know I felt like I had a cold coming on. Well, I would have just busted my ass and worked through it and then I would have had a cold for three weeks. Instead, now it's like, oh, I feel something coming on. I'm immediately going to start taking care of myself. I'm going to get that echinacea and that colloidal silver and, you know, I'm going to get myself... You know, healthy on the inside, and I'm going to go for maybe a one hour or two hour nap, and then I'll get up and I'll do something light, but I'm not going to push my body because I don't want to get sick. And then that little tickle in the back of your throat or the tingling in the nose when you feel like you're getting a cold, it's gone. And I had never been that way in my life where I could control and help and heal my body and be preventative now. Like, a, it's great to be in this position where. Now it's a preventative health where now I can do things where I'm no longer sick. I'm not having to patch myself up. I'm healthy and now I can feel things when they're coming on. If I feel exhausted, I stop because I'm going to be more rejuvenated later on and I'm not beating myself up about it. If on a Saturday, well, the kids want to watch a movie or something, if I want to go for a nap, I go for a nap. And I'm not beaten up about it. Like I don't give a shit if I'm gonna go nap. I want a nap. I don't care. And because before I was like, you know, if I have a nap, you know, I'm I'm lazy or I'm because I'm already overweight. So just you know, then I I appear to be lazy if I need a nap. Well, it wasn't the case. And when you're looking at your time and you're saying, well, you know, I got up at six or I got up at seven, did this with the kids, did all this today, had all these problems that I had to handle. Then I was, you know, did dinner, did the kids stuff at night, worked, worked until one or two in the morning. And then I had sleep problems. So I wasn't falling asleep till three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. So if I'm only getting two hours of sleep, yeah, I'm going to feel like I need to nap during the day. So now I make sure that I have at least seven hours of sleep in my rotation. So if I got a bad night at sleep, I make up for it first thing that next morning after the kids are at school, I kind of make up for it. So I'm good for the rest of the day. Or I can push it out and then just go to bed early that night, right? So I manage my, t- my, my time that way better. I don't push myself if I can't. And I am okay with myself if I can't. And it's not a reflection on me because I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better person. And I can help others. And I can put my energy into these podcasts and these projects. And, you know, I can, I can do these things now that I wouldn't have been able to do before. And it was about prioritizing and you know, and finding those overlaps with my responsibilities. So was I constantly giving to people that weren't trying to help themselves? Was I constantly giving them feedback and patting them on the back and holding their hand and bringing them through life when they should be doing this on their own? Was I caring too much about what people thought? You know, All of these things I had to let go of and once you do you don't look back <laughs> it's like the biggest relief you can have is when you realize fuck it I'm done i don't give a shit and and say like no i'm not going to help anymore and for the most part i was met with kindness because it's like i'm sorry i can't but being really raw and open with the people in my life saying I'm really having difficulties here in my personal life. I'm burning out. I'm having these problems. I can't keep up. I'm sorry I can't help you. And then at that point, they're like, oh shit, I didn't realize you were going through that. How can I help? And then I accepted that help. And I hadn't done that before. So a lot of it was just being honest with myself and how I felt. And then honest with the people that cared about me. Saying, look, I, I do need help. This is what I'm going through. I don't know what to do. Because that was the biggest thing, that was the hardest thing. And I've always been that person that always knows what to do. There's never a problem I can't solve and, and and it's still that way to this day. I just have more energy to deal with it. But once you get through that point and you're healing and you're working on that and that burnout, you can rebound pretty quickly. You know, once you get rid of those responsibilities, stick to your guns, set up your boundaries. Listen to that podcast we had just done. Listen to the next one. It's going to be about strength. And you know, the next few next few podcasts are going to put things together for you to help you find your perspective and and your path on where to start. And so I hope that these podcasts and sharing, you know, my experiences and sharing these things and things that I've done to kind of help myself and certainly I've shared with others and I've seen others heal. And I've seen this work for other people as well. So I hope that you're able to get through your day a little easier by listening to these messages and listening to these podcasts rather and joining our community and talking to them, talking to us there. I'm there every day to share with you guys. And if you guys have any comments and I'll do my best to respond to everyone, head on over to that community. So again, if you missed it before you can join our community and actually visit the website. It's probably the best way to get all the information and find out where to go and how you need to get there and all the tools that are available to you. So that is at the D word productions.ca and, and we'll see you over there. And so, yeah, take a listen there to the last one that we had there on balancing obligations. Our next podcast is coming up and it's going to be about strength. So you'll hear about that. And, um, and share your experiences, you know, let me know what you thought of the podcast today, how you related, how you found change. Maybe this, you've already been through all of this. What things did you let go of? How did you set boundaries? What were your triggers? How did you deal with it? And, um, and be that pivotal voice for someone else. And, you know, this message for me has come up quite a bit and I'm going to leave you with that is that it might be difficult right now to feel like you can't share your story. But the message I keep getting a lot lately has been your story might just be someone else's survival guide. So I want you guys to participate. I want you guys to go on over to that community. And we're going to see you guys real soon. Thank you guys so very much for joining us today. I love and appreciate having you guys here and having this platform, having these opportunities. So thank you for everyone who's joined the community and certainly who's joined and become part of our membership program. We're all here to awaken, illuminate, and transform our lives together.